Thank you. Good morning, all. Oh. It's like you say good morning, it's like a good morning. Good morning, all. Thank you. We need to be happy, joyful in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. The living word gives life. It doesn't make us dull. It makes us lively. If you have the Holy Ghost in you, you can't just say, good morning. Good morning! That's what you need to be doing. Good morning! That's what we need to be doing. We need to be on fire. You're probably wondering why I'm shouting and screaming. I'll tell you. i tell you. You see, for some time now, I've not been able to go to work. And why? Because I wasn't very well. I couldn't speak properly. Anytime I start speaking, there's this bout of coughing. It doesn't end. So I start speaking and I'm coughing. How do you speak and cough at the same time? Very frustrating. You can't do anything. I've been off work for a very long time. There was one stint of seven days. Then after that, I worked from home for another four days. So that tells you something. So I'm glad. I'm glad I've got that back. I'm glad I can speak without the interruption of the cough. And even this morning, uh, yesterday, I was saying to myself, is this cough going to interrupt me? Is it going to interrupt my flow? Then I said, no, I'm still going to go. I'm still going to do it. Because you see, you remember Moses said he was a stammerer. And God said, he gave him a solution. So for me, God would give a solution. If it meant that I'll be here and just maybe say one or two words and get somebody to read, more than happy because I felt I had to give the word. Um, if you have an assignment from God, you got to get up and do it, no matter how difficult it is. And something, something has been confirmed this morning. The things that everybody has said seems to tie in with what I wanted to talk about. That tells me that it's not me coming with it, but it's God doing something. And if, it's, if this message is just for one person, perhaps it's even just for me, I'm preaching to myself. I'm happy with that. You can take it for yourself and apply it. But for me, it is a word for myself. As I sit, stand here and speak, I'm speaking to myself. And I'm speaking such, so that the Holy Spirit will use me and also speak to me directly. I don't know it all. I don't have it. Without him, I can't do anything. But in him and through him, I can do all things because he's the one who strengthens me. I'll tell you a little thing. I have a mate. I went to school with this guy. He happens to be a lecturer. Um, and right now, he's on a path that is difficult for me in the sense that he doesn't want to know God. And I find that difficult. For me, that's an assignment that I think I need to be working on, praying with the, for the Holy Spirit to lead me and use wisdom. Because with people like that, who are lecturers, who try to intellectualize everything, if you go at them in a certain way, they ain't going to listen. You'll never get through to them. So I've been praying for wisdom to use something. We need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, to show us how to get in, get alongside. I know that if I go and go bam, 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 it ain't going to go in. It's just going to go there and write out, and he's going to come back with something. So that's not the way to go. I need to go alongside him, stay with him, keep the friendship going, keep talking, Talk about other things. Let him see my life. Let him see the lives of other believers. 
gradually, I know there'll be a turnaround. And it's interesting, I've been saying to him, that you know what? I think God is going to use you mightily. Ah, no, no way. I said, you know a bit of the Bible. You remember what happened to Saul? His conversion. And I believe that's going to happen to you. He said, no chance. I said, I won't say any more. But let's just leave it at that. You are the very one who in the very near future was going to turn around and say to me, oh, Ben, you said it. I didn't want to know anything about God. But now I can keep quiet about him. That is what I want to happen. And when that happens, I'll bring that testimony here. Because I know that God is able. He's capable of doing anything. He's more than able to accomplish all that concerns us and concerns others. His name is Emmanuel. You see, resurrection. We celebrated Easter last week. And it's about the resurrection. Death, resurrection. Resurrection shouldn't be just limited to that period. Resurrection should be every day of our lives. Because without that, where would we be? It was because of that resurrection that we are where we are today. And we're able to do what we do. And his name is Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. His name is called Emmanuel. He's God with us. Revealed in us. His name is called Emmanuel. He's God in us. Revealed in us. His name is called Emmanuel. That's his name. God with us, God in us. His name is revealed in us. Our lives are not our own. We must continue to yield unto him. And you see, I have a story. I don't know about you, but I do have a story. I'm sure if you look back in your life, there's a story there. You see, and every day of my life, I just, I just like to praise and worship. Sometimes words fail you. I go through challenges. I don't know about you. I do go through challenges. Sometimes they're daunting and just saying, where did that come from? I didn't see it coming. What am I going to do? I can't do anything by myself. So what do you do? You turn and worship your God. And what I say is, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my
my Savior all the day long. You see, that's my story. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's the heir of salvation. We are the heirs of salvation. Purchased of God. How are we purchased? By the shedding of his blood comes back to resurrection, death and resurrection. Purchased by his shed blood on the cross at Calvary. Without Calvary, there wouldn't be that purchasing of our lives. We are heirs, joint heirs with Christ. That's my story. That's my song. Every day I say it and I sing it. Without that, where would I be? But God knows all things and he knows what he is doing. So when I don't know what to say, when words fail me, when the situation, you see, sometimes life is interesting. Circumstances, circumstances, circum, circle, circle of standing. That's all it is. Circumstance is a circle of standing. So it means you are hemmed in by something around you. But you see, what we need to learn to do is break free, break out of it. We shouldn't let those circumstances hem us in. We must get out of that. The way to break out of that is the blood of Christ. That delivers us, that sets us free. And whom he sets free is free indeed. And as he is with us, no weapon, no plan, no scheme that the enemy throws at us works. He strengthens us. As we wait upon him, he renews our strength. We mount up, not in our own strength. We mount up with wings like eagles in our own. You see, eagles are interesting. Eagles soar high. Eagles don't use a lot of strength to stay airborne. They use the currents way up in the sky. That's what we need to do. The Holy Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to lift us and to keep us high and soaring. Seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So much so that the circumstances that want to surround us have no effect. We must not be hemmed in by circumstances. Because if you do allow circumstances, they will hem you in. You see, being a Christian doesn't exclude us from all the challenges that go on in the world. On the contrary, you, I, I think that we get a double dose because the enemy wants to make a point, wants to frighten us, wants to move us away from our belief and our faith. Sometimes you may question yourself, but if I'm a Christian, if God is with me, why do I have to go through X, Y, Z? I don't know but we are not precluded from trials and temptations and circumstances. Hallelujah. When you turn your worry into worship, God will turn your battles into blessings. When you turn your worry, that thing that is troubling you, that is worrying you, that is giving you sleepless nights, when in spite of that, you choose to worship the Lord. He turns those battles, those same battles, into blessings. It's odd, isn't it? You're thinking, we're thinking, hmm, but why? Why should I go through those 
worries at all. As I said earlier on, as Christians, we're not precluded from the challenges of life. They come at us from every which way. You turn and then, bam, it slaps you there and slaps there, hits on the top of your head, every angle. But the thing is, do we let those circumstances, those situations take us down? Or do we just sit down and say, oh, poor me. There are some people who have that fatalistic attitude. I hate that where you say, whatever will be, will be. No, no, no. Stand your ground as a child of God. We need to stand our ground, no matter how difficult it is. Do you know one thing I've realized? The more you stand your ground, the more it seems that the enemy tries to make it look like it's impossible for that situation to turn around. But you see, when you see that situation, that's when you must begin to praise and worship because the enemy is in the last throes of his deception. As he's losing, he makes it appear as though nothing is going to change. Let's look at Paul and Silas. They were put in jail. Everything seemed lost. But you see, just when they got to the most difficult bit, you see, midnight, when the Bible talks about midnight, that's midnight is the darkest hour of the di- night, of the 24-hour period. So that's their the darkest hour. When everything seemed lost, what did they do? They turned around to praise God. And what happened? In their praise, in their worship, their chains fell off. They were free. There was a shaking and there was a change. That's what our God does. Our God makes a difference. He is the difference in our lives. If we look at, um, we'll go through a few Bible lessons. Um, I'll just come. I've set up this thing that gives me scriptures on a daily basis from different sources. And one thing that came through this morning is John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. If he has overcome the world and we are in him and have peace in him, then it means you can deduce that, yes, we have also overcome. Not in our own strength. We have overcome through him because he's already overcome the world and he's promised us our peace. He's our peace. He's our deliverer. The prince of peace. Remember that was... His title, the Prince of, that is his title. She said, what was is his title? Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Emmanuel, God with us, Lord Almighty. No other God but Jehovah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We need Jesus every day of our lives. Let's quickly look at Philippians 4. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
You see, the peace of God doesn't make sense to the natural mind. In the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the worries, in the midst of the battles that we are facing, he says, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. How is that possible? In the natural, that doesn't make sense because you should be worried about the challenge, the situation that you're seeing and facing and the circumstance in which you find yourself. That should be what is worrying you. Instead, it says, do not be anxious about anything, no matter what. Don't be anxious. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What is that request? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. It's nothing too difficult for him. And that reminds, I don't know. I'm, we, you see, <laughs> we're all different. Yes? Are we together on that? We're all different. God uses everybody in their own way. God used Peter differently. He used Paul differently. There's something about you he takes and uses. Some may see that as a flaw. God knows what he's doing. He takes that same thing and turns it around and uses it for his glory. So we shouldn't try to be like any other person. Let's be an original person. You don't want, I don't want to be a photocopy of anybody else. Who wants to be a photocopy? We know the photocopies are not true. They're not the originals. You want to be the original stuff. Amen. God made you as an original. Amen. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows all your flaws. In spite of that, he's still chosen you. He still loves you. And he says, you are my son. And he says, well done, my son. And he says, I will use you, my son. You don't consider yourself qualified, but he does. He qualifies you. You see, he qualifies you through Christ because he's not looking at you directly. He's looking at the finished work of Christ. And because of the finished work of Christ, you are translated into that, and therefore he sees you differently. And what we have to do is continue to stand on his word. What is his word saying? What we need to do is to hear when he speaks. What is he saying? He speaks in different ways. It may be that still small voice. It may be a word that he gives you. He may use an individual. He may, you, you find that all of a sudden someone comes to you and says something. And that ties in with something that you were thinking of. And that confirms something for you. You go into the word and bam, it hits you. Oh, okay. I've got that understanding. And situations, circumstances can also be used. God doesn't use one style. We can't tie him down to a formula because he changes all the time. He will not use the same style every single time. But what's important is his word is forever settled. His word will always get primacy. His word will always be put first. And he will honor his word at all times. That's the God that we serve. So it says, and it says here, and the peace of God that passes all understanding, that transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not us. God doing it for us. We need Jesus every day. We can't do it in our own strength. See, and that reminds me, we have, 
most times when I'm doing these things, reading the songs, praise, worship just comes to my mind. And I find that I'm reading, and before I know it, it's interrupted, and I begin to worship, I begin to praise. I don't know why, but I just do that. Because I think that in that praise, in that worship, there's something being broken. There's something being established. And it's not something I'm going to give up. Worship and praise at all times. Because sometimes, you see, you look at the situation and pray maybe out of fear or pray based on the situation. But we should rise above that. We should pray more than about the situation. We should pray for the will of God to come through on that occasion. What is your will, Lord? You are God Almighty. From beginning to the end, there's nothing like you. No one else like you. You have declared this and this shall be established. So we say things like, I need thee every most gracious Lord. Blah, blah, blah. And we sing all those things. Blessed assurance. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King. In what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. You see, I'm not praying about that circumstance or situation. I'm lifting him up. I'm worshiping him. And as you do that, he inhabits that praise. The word says we should enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Every day, every minute that we have, be in his presence. Praise to enter those gates. Worship. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We thank him, we praise him every day. No matter what. Sometimes just drop that situation, that circumstance. Just praise, praise, praise. Just worship, worship, worship. In his presence. Stay in his presence. Stay in his presence. As we stay in his presence, situations change. They break free. You're broken. You see what happened to Paul and Silas. As they worshiped, as they praised, those same situations and circumstances that had bound them fell apart. They fell off. They couldn't hold them because of the praise and because of the presence of God in that praise. They couldn't be held. They couldn't be bound anymore. So they didn't actually concentrate on talking to God. Oh, yeah, Lord, and we've done this for you, and we've done that for you. Why are we going through this? Why are we going through that? They didn't say that. They simply praised. They praised. They praised. They praised. And as they did, as they did, as they did, the chains fell off. They were free. And there was fear in the heart of the jailer because he thought they had escaped. But they were there. What happened? People came to know Christ. They gave their lives to Christ. You see, in all these things, God wants to glorify his name. Nobody will take his glory. What you thought was meant to take you down or to give you discomfort was probably orchestrated by God. 
for his glory. He does it. I can't tell you why, because I don't know. I wouldn't pretend that I know everything about God. No, no, no. His ways are far higher than our ways. And his thoughts higher than ours. There's no comparison. He's way up there. So what we need to do is just flow. Flow with him. Flow. And he makes things turn around. He will not share his glory with anyone. That is the God that I serve. And there's no other God like him. No other God can take his place. He's the only living God. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. Hallelujah. Let's look at Isaiah 61. Oops. Isaiah 61. And we go to 3. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What am I trying to bring out here? You see, in our moments of despair, trials, troubles, situations, worries, we tend to despair. We tend, sometimes, if we're not careful, we can let those things weigh down on us. In the Old Testament times, the Jews, when they were mourning, put on sackcloth and put ash over themselves. And that was very obvious that this was somebody mourning. Now, when we let situations and circumstances rule our lives, we become desperate, we despair, and it's obvious to all that things are not right with you. But you see, God is saying, in those situations, he will take those things and give you beauty. Because when you put on sackcloth and you have ash over you, obviously, you're not going to look pretty, are you? No. But he says he's going to take that ugliness that comes with despair and give you, in its place, beauty. There's that exchange that takes place, but we need to come to him for that exchange to take place. In addition to that, he gives us the oil of gladness. He wants us to have joy, 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 joy. Joy in our hearts, in spite of the situation and circumstance. He still wants us to be joyful. And that joy is our strength. The joy that the Lord gives us is our strength. It is that that takes us through every day. Because if you're not careful and you let despair and situations and circumstances have a hold over you, they can take you down. You see, and it is some of these things that lead to de depression. Depression. If you, if you allow these things, they will take you down. And that's the last thing you want. There is a way out. God has made a way out. He said... He will take those ashes and give you beauty and pour out upon you the oil of gladness yeah. to give you joy in your heart. 
That's what he does. Do you not want that? Ah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What shall I render to Jehovah? He's done so much for me. I don't know about you. I'm talking about myself, and I'm talking to myself now. What shall I render to Jehovah? He's done so much for me. I don't know about you. For me, he's done so much. I know where he's picked me up from and where he's brought me. I'm not the finished article. Indeed, I have many flaws. Many, 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 many flaws. Thousands of flaws. He's picked me up. He's working and working me. Removing things that ought not to be there. I'm not the finished article. The work is not done yet. I know he's not finished with me. What I continue to do is yield to him. That I go on that journey with him. That as I'm being squeezed and pressed, all those things that ought not to be in. It's, it's, it's like, how should I describe this? Um, when you're refining gold, you get the raw material. You need heat. You need mercury to take off the dirt and the dross to get pure gold. That process, if gold were a living thing, I would say, would be very, very painful. That process has to happen for you to get purity, for you to get pure gold in our own lives. I do know my understanding is God is con to continue to work on us until we join him in eternity. Because this life is such that it's flesh. And flesh tends to want to go its way. We have to bring flesh under control. Sometimes we can't do it in our own strength. We need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to do that for us. And in that process, there's the wringing and there's the squeezing and there's the stretching so that all those other things drop off. It's a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. And God is continuing to work on me. And I continue to yield to him. And you see, without him, I can do nothing. But in him and through him, I believe that I can do all things through Christ because he's the one that gives me that strength. Hallelujah. So again, I ask that question. What shall I render unto the Lord? For he has done so many things for me. So much for me. I don't know about you. Perhaps he has done so much for you too. But you see, God is good. And as we continue to rely on him for direction and in everything that we do, as we continue to worship and praise, he speaks. He speaks in many ways. Many different ways. Through his word, that's one way. Through people, I've said this already, through others. He may use somebody to come to you, to talk to you about certain things. And you realize, this is the doing of the Lord. So God uses situations and circumstances also to speak to us. To bring to pass what he's determined concerning your life. So he doesn't speak in one way, various ways. And the way he will speak to me will be different to the way he will probably speak to Andrew or to anybody else. So the thing is, we must not make our minds that God only speaks a certain way 
and therefore tune into that frequency and miss what God is doing or saying. We need to be open. Have our antenna open. You see, Jesus says something. My sheep know my voice. When he's speaking, do we know? Do we pick it up? When God is doing something, do we pick it up? Do we know? Or do we think, oh, it's one of those things? No, 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 no. no. We need to know. We need to be tuned into the right frequency. And if we're on the right frequency, there's a broadcast. And that broadcast you receive. I'm just likening this to the antenna for television or the dish for um, Sky, for instance. You see, Sky broadcasts on a certain frequency. And your dish or antenna must be turned to a certain way to receive that broadcast. It must be tuned into that frequency. So if you see those uh, engineers fitting the dish, they juggle with it. They put it on first. They know the general area, but they keep, they've got all those instruments. They keep twisting and turning until it locks in. Once it locks into the signal you receive, then your TV broadcasts. In the same way, our spirit is the dish. Our spirit searches, looks for that frequency, and locks in. And once we lock in, we have that direct channel, that direct communication link with our Lord and our God. And we hear him. You see, so in that, as we're locked in, whether we turn to the left or to the right, our ears will clearly hear his voice behind us declaring, this is the way, walk in it. That's what he's saying to us. This is the way, walk in it. So as we're locked in, whether we turn left, we turn right. Our ears, when I say ears, I'm not talking of the natural, the spiritual ear will clearly hear his voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's what we need to do. Our God is good. He's good. You see, Jesus forgives our sins. And he shed his blood for us on the cross at Calvary. Sorry. He shed his blood for us on the cross at Calvary. And he's forgiven us and chosen us. He's washed us. He's cleansed us. He's made us whole. He's restored us and says, come, come, come. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. That's what he's promising us. Rest from the issues of life. Rest from the challenges of life. Rest from the constant fighting. Rest from everything going on around you. Rest from all the noise that surrounds us. Because in this world, there's a lot of noise. All kinds of noise. Which sound are we tuning into? We need to tune into the right sound, the right sound. And that's where the Holy Spirit works. Jesus opens our eyes to see. If you look at uh, Luke 24, uh, on the road to Emmaus, see those people. They knew Jesus, but their eyes were closed. They didn't see. You see, they were probably expecting some, or even though they had heard that he had arisen, they were not expecting what they saw. That's what I'm saying. God doesn't do things in a specific way. He changes it all the time. He came alongside them. He walked with them. Yet they did not recognize him. Until their eyes were opened. They saw something when he broke the bread. 
Then they, it hit them. Even though they said that, did not our hearts leap in us when he began speaking to them? Yet, because they are tuned out, they were still not hearing or seeing. They had preconceived ideas, so they were not seeing. They didn't expect Jesus to walk alongside them. They probably thought, oh, yeah, he's risen. Well, maybe that's it. We ain't going to see him again. But he came right alongside them. Is that what we do sometimes too? When God is right in the midst of something, a situation or circumstance, do we have the blinkers on and therefore don't even recognize God by our sides in that very situation? Look at the situation with the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they made a decision. And they said, they still wouldn't bow. And if we perish, we perish. They went into the fiery furnace. What happened? He was right there in the midst. Their greatest trial, he was there with them and protected them. So sometimes in those situations and circumstances, God is in there with us. But do we recognize him? Or do we have preconceived notions, ideas that, oh, uh, maybe he won't answer. Or we expect him to respond or to answer in a certain way. And therefore, don't see what he's doing. But again, you see, he doesn't do the same thing. He uses different things. So in the midst of that challenge, he may be right there with us, but because we're not looking, because we're not searching, because we are not super sensitive at that time, because we are actually concentrating on the situation and circumstance, we don't see anything else. The blinkers are on. All we see is that, again, circle of standing, that circumstance. That's all we see. We don't see anything else within it, around it. We don't, because we're just seeing that. And we say to ourselves, oh, okay, all right. But you see, we need to be sensitive to what God is doing. So when he comes alongside us, we can sense him. We can see him. We can hear him when he's alongside us. Jesus takes care of us. As we'll see in First Peter. Can we turn to that, please? First Peter. Sorry, I've overrun a little bit. Um, First Peter, chapter five, six, and seven. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Again, cast all your anxiety and cares upon him and he will lift you up. Hallelujah. So he takes care of us because he's going to lift us up. He restores our lives. We don't need to turn to this. It's in Colossians 3, 5 to 11. Jesus restores our lives. He died for us. And we can find that in Isaiah 53, um, 4 to 10, where it talks about he was wounded for transgressions, bruised for iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, by our stripes we were healed, so on and so forth. So he died for us to set us free. Jesus lives for us. He's interceding with the Father constantly on our behalf. So no matter what the enemy throws at us, he's interceding. 
He's interceding. And all God sees is the sacrifice of Jesus, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. He sees nothing else. He doesn't see that sin. He doesn't see what, how, how cro- crooked we are. He doesn't see how undeserving we are. All he sees is the finished work of Christ on the cross. All he sees is his work to draw us back to him. His work to draw us close to him. You see, he came down from heaven to the earth to die for us. And after his death and resurrection, he rose again to intercede on our behalf. That is the Jesus that we serve. What more would you like? Who would do this for you? Not your father, not your mother, not your brother, not your sister, not your spouse. Correct me if I'm wrong. Any father, mother would do that? No, I don't think so. What Christ did, no one can do. And he's the only one who's capable. So you see, in our daily walk, we must allow God to open our eyes. Let him open our eyes so we can see what it is he's doing. Let him open our ears so we can hear what it is he's saying. And the way we can do this is to invite God in into our lives. We invite God into our lives on a daily basis. We should go into his presence, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Get into his presence. Let's get into his presence. And he will be with us. And as he is with us, that's the invitation. He makes things change. He makes us into the people he desires us to be. We should yield our expectations to him. We all have expectations. And our expectations are not necessarily what God has planned for us. They're different. You may think, oh yeah, this is the way to do this. God has a plan and a purpose and a way. He may take us round and round and round and round and round. You may be thinking to yourself, oh, I need to go there. So just boop. That's not what God is planning. He's taking you on a journey. And on that journey, he probably has planned for you to touch some other people, to touch somebody else. For you, he's probably planned for you to grab somebody else to go on the journey with. That's, I don't know. That's, that's the God that we serve. He's different. So our expectations are different. We should also seek God's perspective. What is God saying? What is his plan? What does his word say concerning a particular situation? Let's get into his word. His word is saying, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so his word says this. This is my thought. You must align that thought with the word of God. Let the word of God take precedence over what your perspective is. Because, you see, your perspective, the wisdom of God is far above the wisdom of man. We can't compare our wisdom with his. Never, ever. And again, we should trust his timing. Oh, please tell me about that. Trust the timing of the Lord. Sometimes you ask yourself, why, Lord, why? Why is it taking so long? But then you go into the scripture. Then you say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and you make your paths straight. That's not an easy thing, is it? Releasing your preconceived ideas and notions and totally trusting in him and his way and what he is doing. The flesh doesn't want to allow that. 
The flesh wants to, oh yeah, I got it, yeah, I figured it out. This is how to do this, this is how to do that. And sometimes we can become too formulaic. We have a formula for doing stuff. But you see, with God, sometimes you don't know the end. He takes you on a journey, one step at a time. And you take the first step and you're thinking, okay, what next? And that's you sitting there scratching your head, wondering. But we need to let go and let God. Let go and let God. We need to learn to let go.